But welcome to our Wednesday evening service. We call it Equip and Disciple. Guess why? Because we're going to be equipped and we're being Maika'i. Good job. So we're going to talk about tonight, actually we're in a series called The Word Versus the World. Whenever you put two things in opposition or competitively, you will most likely have a winner at the end of it. Now, when it comes to the ways of the world and the ways of the word, who should win or what should win? It should be the word. But the question is this, and don't, don't answer this out loud, but just in your own minds, how many of us would say in our own lives, the world wins most of the time? But we want the word to win, don't we? I mean, I think that's why we're here. We're here tonight so that we can learn from the Word of God, so that when we apply it in our lives, in the world, the Word wins. And if the Word is in us and we're applying the Word, then you will always win over the ways of the world. The problem is we grow up in the world, and so we're so used to the world that by the time we get saved because of the Word of God, we have to not just learn new things, we have to unlearn a lot of things. Let's just say you came to know the Lord at age seven. Things are good. You know that Jesus loves you this, you know, because the Bible tells you so. And so you're learning that. But then you come into your teenage years, your young adult years, and you kind of drift away from the Lord. And now you have all this junk accumulated within the next couple of years or even more than that. And then you come back around to the Lord. And now you're, you're learning things you already knew, but you're kind of still relearning and applying what you already knew and at the same time learning new things. But at the same time all of that is happening, you're still trying to unlearn what just took place in the ways of the world. And so hopefully this series will help us to battle or win with the word when we battle in the world. The word of God is, as the Bible says, it's like a two-edged sword and it pierces as far as the division of both soul and spirit. In other words, it divides us. It cuts deep to the core of our being, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. And so tonight, we're actually going to be talking about the value of God's Word, because if you don't value God's Word, you just won't read it. If you don't value God's Word, you just won't read it. Very rarely do we do anything we really don't value. Now, you might think, no, I didn't value that, but I just made a mistake or I wasted my time on that. No, at that specific time, you valued it. Whatever it was, you valued it. Now, we live in a world full of different values, different kinds of values, different kinds of systems and and things that we do that in the end, it'll determine, did you value that or was that something that uh, it really wasn't a value, but you just made a mistake? When it comes to the Word of God, It's value in itself. Now, you don't need anything to say that the Word of God is valuable. We know it's valuable. Something that is valuable actually is determined not by in what it is, but in who values it. But the Word of God has value in itself. Now, you might own a motorcycle, a car, or whatever it is. You may have things in your garage, and, and to you, it's valuable. In fact, we all have a junk drawer in our house. That drawer has all kinds of junk. But for some reason, we value it. We're like, no, I might use that rubber band one day. I might use that pen one day. 
oh no, that barbecue stick might come in handy. Got to leave that clothespin in there just because the mosquitoes come around. I got the mosquito punk, I don't a metal thing. I can use that. So we use, we leave it in the junk drawer. And then years go by. We're like, ah, we don't need this. You throw it away. Next day you're like, where's that clip? And then it's gone because you just threw it away. You used to value it. You threw it away. And so the things we value, we usually keep close to us. You can go to that person's house, look in their junk drawer. It's not no value to you. You can look in their garage, full of stuff. They look like a pack rat. You have no value in that. But to them, they value it. There are things in your very own home. Husband says, throw it out. Wife says, no, it's good. 15 years, you didn't even use it. Thing is collecting dust. And you're thinking, I don't want to be a pack rat. But people value those things. Now, whenever there's a value of something and it's taken away, you're going to know how much value it had to that person by their response and by their reaction. We're going to take a look at this video clip. It's about maybe four and a half minutes, and this is basically, basically a game show that um, they had to answer some questions, and, and they would accumulate some funds. But let's just see what happens if they win or if they don't win their reaction to their value system. Watch this. All right, inventions. All right, the three possible answers. Okay. A, Macintosh computer. I'm good at computers. Okay. B, I'm good at computers. Sony, Sony. Okay. Walkman. Okay. 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 C, I have one of those. I have one of those. All right, yeah, I do that every day. All right. I post them everywhere. Let's see the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of these was sold in stores first? Talk it over. Wow, this is hard. This is really hard. Because post-it notes is like, I'm thinking post-it notes are Walkman, and I, know, I don't think computer, baby. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards post-it notes because... Clock has started, 75 seconds. I, I heard... Baby, I, I, did I, you use post-it notes when you were younger? Did you see anybody use post-it notes? I don't think so. I think it's Walkman. I think it's no, Walkman. No, 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 I no, 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 no. How much Walkman? percent sure you think it's post-it notes? Because post-it notes... Is 60 seconds. Start moving start some moving. money, please. I'm going to put them here. Listen, the post-it note is how 3M started in the first place. When did they start? 3M is, a, is the company. No, I, they didn't. No, they made other stuff. I know, but it was 50 a, it seconds. Was, I, I remember, I remember reading about yeah. it. It was, it was a wacky. Basically, what happened was yeah, yeah, yeah. he, like, uh, they, they were trying to, they were trying to make something money. else. 40 seconds. They were trying to make something else, and they accidentally made the post-it note. How do you and accidentally make post-it notes? You, it, it's true. They accidentally made the post-it note. It wasn't supposed to be. What are you doing? No. The Walkman. Oh, come in, baby. Why would it be the Walkman? The Walkman is, is that digital technology. Fine. They didn't have technology like that back no. then. That's the 80s and 90s. the 90s. We got 17 seconds. Are you sure? 15 it's seconds. Yours first. Are you sure? I'm going to go with post Okay, notes. I'm going to go. Okay, let's hurry up. We got 10 seconds. Well, that's baby. Baby, hurry. Need some. Need some. Need some. Give some more. Post-it notes. Go ahead and move the 20,000 that fell off where you intended it to be. I don't think right. it's post-it notes. Now, you guys, walk me through what you're thinking. Okay. I don't think it's the Macintosh computer. Why? The Macintosh computer is, is something that was, it was in the 80s. Sony Walkman, when do you think that came out? That was definitely the 80s. That was like the, the 90s. 80s. 
Well, yeah, because they were the people had boombox on there. Yes, thank but, you. Then they, then they converted the to walkman. The, they, they were walking around with boomboxes in the eighties. It's something of a convenience for the future. We're like, so no, everybody no, wants no, to be no, convenience. No. We got to make it. It was a home. weird concoction. They were trying to create something else, it, and it, they accidentally made a sticky like stuff that know. sticks every time. Yeah, okay. It feels like you know a little bit of history about the post-it. A little bit. You want to use your quick change? No, You'll no. have 30 seconds to make a move. No, no, I don't know that's now. Fine. Do you want to at least like move 20,000? Or do you want to no. save it? You know what? I'm gonna go with the post-it note. Okay, we're we're just not gonna go with the quick change. We're just no gonna quick change. Let's step up and see what drops. Which of these was sold in stores first? Macintosh computer you thought was in the 80s. You put zero on it. That might even be Sony Walkman. Brittany said she thought it was in the 90s. You put 80,000 on it. Post-it notes. Gabe seemed to know almost the entire history of the post-it notes. And so therefore, $800,000 sits on post-it notes. Oh, that's a lot of money. Okay, let's pause right here. Can we do that? Is it possible to pause right now? I want to know. How many of you guys, don't need to turn on the lights, just, I can see you. How many of you think it was post-it notes? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you think it was Macintosh? Wow, how many of you think it was the Sony Walkman? Okay, let's watch and see if you would have won. <laughs> let's check this out. That's all of you who voted for the, the, that one. Post-it notes first sold in 1980. I don't know what the post-it note. It's okay, you guys. We're still in the game. You've got to finish. You've got to get to that seventh question. Got to be the woman, yeah? Got to be the woman to help. Baby, we still have to on. Get up. You've got $80,000 if it's Sony Walkman. $80,000 is one of the all-time great weddings, I can tell you that. We're pulling for you. You only have two questions remaining. It's time to step up and see if you get to hold on to $80,000 going into the last two questions. It's okay. It's okay. Short live it. It's okay. Sony Walkman, you won $80,000. <laughs> Those of you who said post-its, oh man, $800,000. Now, isn't it interesting? The husband's like, oh, oh, oh. The wife's like, baby, it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be okay. Come on, it's going to be okay. In, the, in his mind, he's saying, don't, don't even talk to me. $800,000. Like, women, you are strong. You're strong. 
Now, I can imagine their life after this, right? Oh, we got to get gas, honey. No, we'll make it home. No, remember the $800,000 when we got $800,000? Like, the wife is going to be right all the time now. It's this, should we, just, we should just listen to our wives, right? 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 Wives? Yeah, I guess so. But if you think about the things we value, $800,000. I mean, just in that short amount of time, they accumulated $800,000. But even quicker, it was gone. And you could see the reaction of someone who didn't own it yet, but there was the possibility of its value and its worth. I'm sure in his mind, he was thinking of buying this, getting this, purchasing this. It was like all paid for already. He had the dream in front of him. And then when the $800,000 dropped, it wasn't the $800,000 that dropped. It was his dreams that dropped. And I'm wondering if, if we value God's word that much. Do we value God's word to the point of if we didn't read it, we would feel like that guy? If we didn't get into the word of God, would we, would we be sick to our stomach because we had nothing to draw from in our lives? The Bible is called more precious than gold. It's more precious than gold. Yet we see something like this and $800,000 goes down the tubes and we see this man's response and his reaction just crumble. And I wonder if that's our spirit. I read of one of, these, one of the greatest inventions when it comes to information. It says that this, this creative invention can be used by school teachers, professors, uh, any person who teaches others. It also promises to yield high returns for its students and is able to cross cultural boundaries. This invention also helps with confronting people in such a way that it will strengthen them as well as the other person. It also helps to bring accurate and specific solutions to problems at hand. Parents can use this invention to correct their children. That's a good thing to have on hand. This invention also works to train people in making right decisions. And this is the only invention that actually works hand-in-hand with God himself, which when utilized correctly, prepares and even equips you to do great things. Now, this invention, although controversial is the best thing given to man, yet not everyone uses this invention. Some of you own it, some of you download it, some of you have it in your hands right now, and it is the Word of God. The Word of God is the only invention that God has breathed life into in that kind of way. He also has breathed life into us. So really, the Word of God and human beings go hand in hand because it's both with the breath of God. Now, if we don't apply the word of God and we just read it, then we get wisdom or we get knowledge. We just call it knowledge. When you apply knowledge, that's where wisdom comes in. And God can give us wisdom. In the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, if you want to open your Bibles there, it, it gives us what this book does. It tells us how this, how this book applies to our lives and the effectiveness of this book and the value of this book. Look at what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God, which means God breathed, and profitable for teaching. So when you're, in your, you know, with family or, or your children or husband or wife or, or in any setting, the scriptures of God is valuable for teaching. It's also good for reproof. So if there are things coming against you or, or 
um, people saying negative things about you. There's a reproof that the word of God can bring for correction. In other words, it can steer us back on track. It can correct us because we go astray all the time. But it's the word of God that brings correction. It's good for training in righteousness. The reason why we need to be trained in righteousness is because we've been living unrighteously. So we need to be retrained for righteousness. And that's what the Bible does. It trains us for righteousness. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And I think as a husband, we always want to say, or we say to ourselves, I just want to be a good husband. I just want to be a good dad. I want to be a good father. I want to do good things. Women, you'll say, I just want to do good. I want to do good things. I want to do good things for the Lord. We, we say that often, but in order for us to do great things, we're going to have to bring in the good word. That's the only way. We can't do good things aside from the good word. Because then it would be more self than it is of the Lord. So now it's no longer a good thing. It's what can I get out of this? How can I look good? Or how can I, how can I manipulate? And so we use goodness as a way to satisfy self. But God's word is good in itself. So when we apply it, it's always good for other people. And at the same time, because we're serving others, or as the Bible says, when you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. You don't have to worry about yourself when you're applying the word of God to serve other people to love God, it's like it, it does the two things. It pierces the heart. It divides the soul. It does both. And only the word of God does that. That's why Jesus came, as he said, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, just a couple of things that we find that is valuable in God's word or the value we find in the word of God is one of them is salvation. We come to know the Lord through the word of God. That's where faith is built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where we build our faith. That's where we grow in the Lord. It's through the word of God. That's where we get boldness or bravery or guidance or power or conviction. It enables us to gather together in fellowship. It's because of the word of God. The word of God cleanses us. It brings us victory, success, satisfaction and joy and life. It comes from the Word of God. The Word of God gives us wisdom and that conversion of the soul. That was Paul the Apostle. Before he came to know Christ, he was unrighteous and then he was converted. And then because of the Lord, he began to live a life that was righteous according to the ways of God. The Word of God gives us warning and it gives us great reward. That's the Word of God. So whether you highly value God's word or not, I'm sure we all want to value God's word more than we do right now. And we can, every single person can value God's word by making some basic choices. And we're going to look at three tonight. And the first one is this, to learn the benefits of God's word. Just learn the benefits of God's word. Now it can almost seem like, but that's self, isn't it? It seems selfish that, well, I'm going to learn the benefits of God's word I don't want to get into God's word to see what I can get from him. Well, it's not necessarily the benefits of serve me, serve me, what can it do for me, but just the benefits. Like what does God's word actually do? Because for some people, when you talk about the Bible, instantaneously they're thinking religion or spooky or I don't understand it. So we got to go back to the basics of what is the benefits of God's word. 
What, 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 does, what does God's word actually do for me? Or is it just to learn about God? Is it just to learn about the history of the Israelites or God's people or what took place early on in the history of our world and mankind and creation? What are the benefits of God's word? Because usually you want to know the benefit of something before you commit to it. You want to learn what, what, how does it affect my life? Because the benefits determine your commitment. That's, that's what we look forward to. That's why when you write out a contract for something or your home, you're going to purchase a home or something, you're thinking, okay, what are the benefits of it? What, is, what are the benefits of us moving to this location? What are the benefits of us buying this car versus this car? What are the benefits? How is it going to change our life? How is it going to help our life? The Bible says this in, in Psalms 19, Verses 7 through 11. If you want to hear benefits, listen carefully to the benefits of the Word of God. It says this, The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Perfect. Reviving the soul. This is Psalms 19, verses 7 through 11. Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. You can trust it. Making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. These are great benefits. The, the, the Word of God has great benefits attached to it. Now, just recently, someone told me about, I'm not on Facebook, haven't been on it for about a year. Praise the Lord. I actually used it to, like, uh, like if I'm trying to remember someone's name, I think we all do this. It's like, what is their name? I think it's like a Tony or something. And we'll just type it in. Oh, that's their name. So I'll kind of use it for that. But recently, there was a, I think it was called a 30-day name challenge. Now, some of you may have seen this and just scrolled right past it. Like, I ain't doing no 30-day name challenge. Because it was an exercise challenge that every letter of your name, there would be like jumping jacks. Not like five, like 50, 50 jumping jacks, 25 jumping jacks. So when you would spell your name, you'd put all the different exercises, burpees and push-ups and this thing called wall sit. It's the worst one and burpees. And then you had all these other ones. And so when you write your name, you put all these exercises next to it. And you got to go through that for 30 days. And some started with their full name, you know, first and last name. Then they went to their just first name. And then they went to their nickname, Boo, B-U. That's it, just Boo, hey, Boo. So, because it's just too hard. So what actually happens is when it comes to something like exercise, if you don't see that the benefit is more valuable than your commitment, you're not going to be committed. If you don't see that the benefit far outweighs your commitment level, or if the benefit is there and you're saying that benefit far outweighs what I'm going to commit to. If the value isn't higher, you're not going to stay committed. That's why we give up so quickly on many things, because we don't see the value in it. When the benefits of something, 
begin to outweigh the price you need to pay to receive those benefits, then you'll value whatever that is. But the benefits have to outweigh the price you need to pay. And when that happens, then the commitment level is not too high. In fact, that's what Jesus did. The benefit of him dying on the cross was you and I with him in heaven for, eternal, uh, for eternity. That was the benefit for Christ, to put sin to death for once and for all, that we would now no longer be eternally separated from God, but now we would be brought near to him. We have a chance now at eternal life. And so when Jesus came to this earth, he humbled himself and suffered a sinner's death. Why? Because the benefit of being with you and I was greater than the pain that he was willing to pay, no, the pain he was going to receive. And even up to the cross, death on the cross, when they nailed Jesus to the cross, even at that, remember he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's how much he loved us. That's why the cross is so incredibly important. Because that shows the value that Jesus has on you and I. That was the benefit. The benefit was we get to be with him and he with us. That's how much he loves us. That we were the benefit for him. I'm sure there's more to that. But when it comes down to the basic core of it, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I mean, talk about value. If we want to value something, then all we need to do is look at what Christ did. For Heidi and I, when it came to tithing, the benefits of tithing outweighed the sacrifices of not having more money or getting more things or more stuff. That's why Heidi and I value tithing. When it comes to coming to church, the benefits of attending church for our marriage and life outweighs sleeping in, going to the beach, staying at home, watching TV. That's why we value coming to church. It's funny, uh, uh, Pastor Marsha and Tom, they were on vacation for two weeks, but they came to church and people were like, how come you're here? I thought you were on vacation. They're like, yeah, but we come to church. Like, why would I not come to church? Well, because you work here. Yeah, but I still go to church. It's like, how do we even fathom that? No, they still value church. They just like being around people. They like learning from God. They love the Lord. And so whatever you're going to, whenever you see a benefit, if that outweighs the price you, you're going to pay, then you're going to do that. You're going to value it. But if you, don't, if you don't see the benefit of it, you're not going to have value. You're not going to be committed, and it's going to be very difficult. That's why, here's the second thing. That's why we, from time to time, we just got to adjust our value systems. You just make that choice. Every now and then, it's like you just do a, it's like our car. You got to go in for maintenance. Uh, you have to do realignment. You know, some of us, we just hold the car tight, and then when we want to turn, we just let go. And it's all online, and then it just goes by itself. But actually, it's broken. You should fix the car. It's not a robot. And hey, look, it knows where I'm going to go. No, you, it has to be aligned. And so it is when we come to adjusting our value system. We're just realigning our value system. And we got to do that every now and then. Sometimes we, we, we cut out something from our life, but we add something that is worse. We cut out TV from our life, so we add the internet. We cut out the internet, we add Facebook and Instagram. We cut that out, and then we, we don't know what to do, so we bother other people. We don't know what to do with our lives. Like Fill it with something else. Readjust it so that it's now in line with God. 
Those, the value systems that we have. We all have a value system. The question is, is it beneficial for your life? Because you're going to value something. But how do you know if you actually value something? That it's high priority in your life. In other words, when you, when you value something, how do you know it's value to you? What if it's just something to do? Now, here's a way to know that it's, it's valuable to you. Nothing can really get in the way of it. Nothing gets in the way of it. You value it. It's like you, you find every way to make sure that whatever it is you value, it happens. You can accomplish it. If you value your family, you're going to make sure you're spending time with them. If you value your car, you're going to polish it. You're going to take care of it. Whatever you value, nothing can really get in the way of it. Some of us polish our cars no matter what. It already is polished. It already is nice. But because you value your car, you polish it again. You open the hood. Like you even polish inside the hood, inside the doors, even in, like all inside and you wipe it all clean under the seats. Like you vacuum even the air in your car just in case dust is going to settle. You're that particular about your car. Why? Because you value your car. Some of you value exercise and no matter what, you're going to exercise because you value it. Your favorite TV show. You value your favorite TV show and nothing gets in the way of it. Your children can be going, Ma, Ma, Dad, Dad, Ma, Ma, Dad. Shut up. <laughs> Shush. Get in your room. Like we're watching TV or we record it or we, we pay for a subscription for something. Why? Because we value it. Nothing gets in the way of it. Some of us love spending time with someone. So nothing gets in the way of that. Or some of us, we just take good care of certain things more than normal, like shoes. Like you have a space for your shoes. The old shoes goes over there. My new shoes go over here with a spotlight. And that's where you put your shoes or your clothing. Like these, these jackets go here, honey. You don't put them here. They stay here. And don't squish them together. Don't let it touch anything else. It stays here because you value it. That's clothing. In other words, whatever it is that you value becomes first place. It's just first place. And you value it. Some of you value your dogs more than your family members. It's like the dog can do whatever they want, but if the kid does it, hey, get in your room. Oh, come here, come here, puppy, come here. Like, you, like with the dog, and the kids are like, wow, you value the dog more than me? Yeah, because the dog listens. But you do. You, whatever you value will be first place. It's not like you love your kids any less. Unless you do, then, oh, you get problems. I remember, I remember one time I had the flu, like down and out. You know, one of those, when your, your whole body is sore, you're sweating, and, and you just, you can't function, like you can't even get up. And when you walk around, you're freezing cold, and it's the kind of flu that irritates Heidi. It's the, it's the, she wants to take care of me, but such a big baby, I cannot, cannot take care of me. Like, like, I don't know why, but as husbands, we become babies when we're sick. What in the world happens? And you wives, you, you don't, there's no sympathy. It's like we become babies and you don't become nice nurses. You, 
It's like, for some reason, I don't know what happens. It's like, we become polar opposites. And Heidi, <laughs> Heidi, oh, she cannot hear me. Heidi, I'm in the room. I can have soup, please. And you hang up, you can hear her. <sighs> it's like, but I had the flu. Oh, let me get to my story. I had the flu and just down and out. But my friends called me and they said, hey, um, we're going to play basketball in the morning. I said, what time? Five o'clock. I was like, ah, oh, I get the flu. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to shake them before 5 a.m. I'm going to get rid of this thing. So I, I got my things ready the night before. <laughs> Heidi sees me. This is a long time ago. This is like 20-something years ago. Wait, I'm 43, minus 10, take two carry. Yeah, it was about 20-something years ago. So I, I'm getting my clothes ready. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I might play basketball in the morning. She goes, basketball? You're dying, and you're going to play basketball? I said, well, you know, I can get better. I can get better. She's like, you're full on sweating. You're freezing. You're in, like, sweat clothes, and you're with a blanket. I said, yeah, yeah, but I'm in prayer. So uh, came the morning. I'm still down and out. Nothing better. What do I do? I get ready, and I play basketball. For some reason, when I get there, I have energy. I can play. And I go all out. And I'm playing. I come home. The moment I stand it, come into the house. Uh, uh, it's like, what happened? And I was like, hey, so how was basketball? It was good. Did you play? Yeah, I played. Was it okay? Yeah, but I don't know. I'm not feeling good. And like, can you, can you help around the house now? Can you wash dishes? Can you do the yard? Oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. It's like... Wow, how does that even happen? Well, here's what it is. I valued playing basketball. Nothing could stop me from playing basketball. It's just for some reason, when you value something, nothing gets in the way. Nothing at all. I value Heidi more now than I ever did back then. She even told me, can you at least go to the store? I'm like, ah. What if I pass out when I'm driving? You know, so, <laughs> it's like I value the sport more than the store. But as, as time went on, I had to make the right adjustments. You know, along the way, you just got to keep making adjustments to your value system. So my children, when I would come home, they would just jump on me. I would have a bag, and you know how we carry things into the house? Like we leave the house with nothing. We come back in with all this stuff and like, where do we get all this stuff from? We got books. We got, like, coffee mugs and soda cans. Like, wh- where did we go? But I'm coming in the house, and they're jumping all over me. And, and I remember yelling at them and saying, leave me alone. Stop jumping on me. I'm not a jungle gym. I'm not a tree. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I remember them looking at me, and then they kind of, like, run away. And then, and then Heidi said, they only love you. They just want to be with you and play with you. They didn't see you all day. And so I remember her saying that, and... I remember going to the Lord and I said, how do I do this? And he basically gave me a simple thing. He said, you got to change your value system. You're, right now, you're not valuing them. You're valuing all this stuff that you got to bring in. So he said, so this, this is what you do. You communicate with your children. Just give you two minutes to get all your things settled. And then I'm all yours. And I remember when I changed that value system that you're going to be more important than, than how I feel right now. It's let's work this together. So when I come home, just give me a couple minutes. I'll put all my things away. Then I'm all yours. 
And when I would come home and they would see me, they would just about charge. I would say, just two minutes, two minutes. And they would be like, hurry up. Like, week two minutes is up. So I had to adjust that. Even sleeping late. You know, when, when, because of uh, being involved in ministry, I was overseeing our, our Wednesday night. Uh, we had our Wednesday night with the youth ministry. And then Thursday night, we had our high school. And then Friday night, we had our junior high. And then Sunday night, we had our young adults. So I was overseeing those four areas along with Sunday morning and our regular Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, daytime. So my time with my boys was very sporadic. So I had to figure out, how am I going to do all of this? And I remember the Lord saying, you got to find every opportunity, every ounce of time that you can. And so I remember there were days that on the weekends, I would be dead tired because I had a 5 o'clock class that I was a part of on Friday mornings. But then my children, they were, this is the weekend. So they want to stay up with daddy. And I remember being dead tired and I want to go to bed. But I remember the Lord saying, you only got a couple more years with them. They're going to grow up. Yeah, right now they're six and seven and eight. Yeah, they're nine years old right now. They're 10 years old, but they're going to grow up fast. You will not regret spending this time with them. And so I had to change my value system. I had to rework my, my uh, work schedule and, and just change my value system. So now my value had to be in my children rather than other things. And when I began to change the value system, then things began to change. And it all started with the word of God. Without the word of God, I would find no value in other things, in people, because it would be all about self. But make those adjustments, whatever it has to be. Same goes for the word of God. If I'm going to value his word, I'm going to have to make some adjustments. Matthew 6.33 tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's like the kingdom of God must be first place. But if it's not, then we've got to adjust our value system. We're going to have to do something in order for the word of God to be first place in our life. Some people say it like this. You know, I'm, I'm, when I'm with people or I'm with so-and-so or this person in my family, or when I see this person at work, they bring out the worst in me. They just bring out the worst in me. We sometimes say that to other people. You know, you bring out the devil in me. So that means there's a devil in you. You bring out the devil in me. But really what we're saying and what is actually happening is they're not bringing out the worst in you. God is using them to bring out the worst of you so that he can bring in the word of God to bring out the best in you. So when that worst of you surfaces, it's there so God can get rid of it, but you got to replace it with something else. You got to replace it with the word of God. That's why it's important to memorize scripture. When you memorize scripture, it's in you. So when you're getting angry, then you can say, no, let not the anger, let not the sun go down on my anger. I'm not going to let anger get the best of me. And when you're going through critical life-changing moments, you can guarantee in the word of God there is a scripture for every single thing you and I will ever go through. And so the word of God must replace whatever's happening in our life that is not going according to the ways of God. Because victory in your life comes from valuing his. That's where victory is going to come. That's where the value comes in. It's when you value his life. God has a word, a scripture for every challenge that comes our way. Therefore, here's the last thing. Number three, value your relationship with Jesus. You got to. You got to value your relationship with Christ. That's where it's going to begin. And I'm sure we all value our relationship with Jesus. 
I'm sure we all do. But is it of highest value? Is it, the, is it the most important relationship in our lives? I value my car, but Heidi is more valuable than my car. I value our home, but Heidi is more valuable than my car, uh, than my home. When you value something, Christ needs to be higher than that. As, as much as I love Heidi, Christ has higher value. Because if Christ has higher value, then Heidi will be of highest value. And Heidi wants that. She wants me to value Christ before I value her. Otherwise, I won't even value her. Whatever my relationship is with Jesus, whatever it's like, will be with every other relationship thereafter. It's not going to be the opposite way. It will always be whatever my relationship is with Jesus will be with everyone else. So I I can measure my relationship and value system with the Lord by how I am with other people. In fact, Jesus said that. That which you do to the least of these, my brethren, that which you do unto me. That's the true measurement. But we've got to value our relationship with Jesus. When it comes to the word of God, the only way you'll value the word is if you value the Lord. That's the only way. And the reason for that is because John 1.5 says it like this, and, and this is going to kind of help us to make sense of why the word of God is so valuable and it should be because our, work, because our value with the Lord is of highest value. It says this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You may have heard this before. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's in verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the Lord and the word go hand in hand because it is one and the same. It is the same. In John chapter 14, I want to read this. John chapter 14, verse 15. When you have this value towards God's word and when you understand that he gave us this word because he valued us, then it makes sense that if we want to grow in the Lord and we want to grow in life, We're going to have to value his word. So John chapter 14, verse 15 says this. In fact, we can um, have Glenn come to the piano. I'll close with this. It says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. And this is Jesus speaking. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Or in other words, Jesus is saying, I will not leave you abandoned. I'm not going to abandon you. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, 
you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves, and he who loves is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Then he speaks of Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed him, but he said, he said to Judas, Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. And my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Talk about a value system. If you're ever going to value the Word of God, and if you ever have an opportunity to do like a Bible study, and understand, Bible studies are great, but in your minds, instead of saying, I'm going to study the Bible, kind of switch that around and say, can I let the Bible study me? Because the Word of God can do that. Because it's the Word of God that is needed for us to actually value ourselves. When you value the Word of God, you're going to value yourself. When you put God first and you put him in the highest place, and you seek his kingdom first, you value his word, then he's going to say, well, because you value me, you sought me first, and you're seeking me, I can add everything else unto you. Because now I know I'm your highest value. I say, let's value the word of God. Let's get the word of God in. And I know it's a challenge, but so is everything else. This has the best benefits, though. Let's let the word of God go inside of us. Let's pray together, shall we? You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us a, a way to live and perfect law, perfect instructions. And we can see the benefits of it. And although challenging to even get into the word, it's, it's only challenging because of our flesh. It's easy to do other things. It's easy to go to the movies, to watch TV, to read the newspaper, to read a book. But for some reason, our flesh fights the Word of God. So we want to be people, when it comes to the Word versus the world, we want to win with the Word of God because that's where the value is at. It is more precious than gold, even the finest of gold. So may we see your Word as just that. Let nothing get in the way of valuing your word. Sink that into our hearts, Lord, so that when we leave here tonight, we leave valuing your word 
even that much more. We pray this in your precious name. And we all said, amen, 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 amen.